I'm Tom. I'm Stephanie. This is a podcast about what bonds people and places together. Or as we like to call it, food glue. Just come into the beautiful looking oat shed and we've got three beautiful looking people in front of us. So if you don't mind, I'm going to start by asking you to introduce yourselves and then whoever is the most chatty, whoever's the bossy one, can you tell us about Prad Thai and why you're called Prad Thai? Uh, Jay, take it away. <laughs> so I'm Jamie, and I am the founder of Pred Thai. I'm Dom. I'm, uh, we're all siblings, but um, I also am a, I work for Pred Thai. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Gemma. I'm the older sister. Uh, well, you've, got, you've ruined one of my questions then, because I was going to say, and how did you all meet? <laughs> and how did this get together? But you're all siblings, so that makes it easy. So, um, why the name Prad Thai? Because I googled it and Prad means start in Lithuanian and I don't think that's why <laughs> you called it Prad Thai. So our second name is Prad. Oh, Prad okay. is an abbreviated version of our second name. Okay. Um, and yeah, honestly, not much thought went into it. Um, kind of regretting it a little bit now <laughs> because you have to explain this every time. Um, but we stuck with it and uh, yeah, so our logo is a picture of our grandma oh, and wow. our name is our family name. So proper family connections there and kind of going back to your heritage straight away, like before somebody's interacted with you, they know there's that family connection, which is really nice. Exactly. So um, Jamie, you said you're the founder. Mm-hmm. How did this start? So we grew up um, as a family, helping my dad and his business. So he has a Thai restaurant business, and his his mum before that had a Thai restaurant business. So we very much grew up on top of our family restaurant, and we've always cooked Thai food. Um, actually, the food... I always wanted to get into the food business, um, but it only really became a reality in the first lockdown. I was still at university, found myself with loads of time I'm sure you've heard this story before and uh, literally me and my friend said why not let's do it right now and um, yeah we started doing pop-ups out of our front garden in Woolerton um, so literally out of your at the end of your the end of your garden yeah on the street so we live just behind Woolerton Park so quite strategically placed you could advertise you know a little have some Thai food walk into the park obviously COVID restrictions it became like a really nice neighborhood meet for people. Um, and then it just snowballed. So it originally was me and my friend started it. And then suddenly I'm getting my younger brother involved. He's still here today, two years on. And then <laughs> the big step was getting my sister involved because she worked in a completely different job before. And then it sort of all took off. And in the last six months, um, yeah, her, her help has been invaluable to us. So we now run it as a family. I mean, I came um, about in a completely different way. Like, food for me was also a passion, same as Jay. But I didn't... I actually tried to um, approach it in a very non-professional way and wanted to stay away from a career in food. Um, I, I've kind of maybe wanted to break them all a bit with them <laughs> from the family. Uh, but it seems ne- inevitably... Um, it's like drawing it back in. Um, yeah, I started working in TV and then um, 
at the beginning of this year, decided not to renew my contract and, and join Jay. Um, wow, congratulations. Really That's really great. Um, I just want to go back to something you said. You said your logo is your grandma. Yes. So she must be really special to all of you. Do you have some really fond free memories of your <laughs> grandma? Yeah, and actually it's, uh, it's very fitting that she's the logo of our food business because ironically, none of us speak fluid Thai. And, you know, she came from, she didn't have an educated background. She came from quite a, a poor background in Thailand and she couldn't speak any English. So for our, through our childhood, when we did see her, the only real way we communicated was food. She took us these amazing meals and um, actually, yeah, like when she passed, um, that was one of the things that sort of got us all thinking a bit more seriously about carrying on this mm -hmm. tradition of food in our family. Yeah. That's really special. And you're actually really playing into the heart of why we created Food Glue, because it's all about how food is the glue that brings communities together and families, as you say, like language wasn't a barrier when you had food between you. Uh, yeah. um, and you talked about that, you know, that first pop-up you did in Woolerton was literally bringing the community together mm -hmm. on your doorstep, I guess, meeting your community as well. Yeah. And did that open up opportunities then for your next steps beyond that? Yeah, it all happened really organically. Um, so our first pop-up, we had enough of my friends who said they were going to come and support us to make, for, to make it make sense. So we weren't <laughs> worried about, you know, the business side of things from the start. We just sort of wanted to do it. And, uh, yeah, all of my friends, big up, they all came through and supported us. But surprisingly, even at the first pop-up, we advertised it a little bit on Instagram and it just gained a little bit of traction mm -hmm. and it did really well. Um, so the first customer who came in and I didn't realize who they were. I was a bit shocked. I was like, you know, who are these cowboys? <laughs> Park sides. And yeah. um, I was very surprised at the support we had from, from the public. There was a gap, like Thai food is a well-trodden path, but mm -hmm. um, <sighs> a lot of the Thai food that people experience when they do go to Thailand is missing on a lot of the menus mm -hmm. that we have here today. Um, and that's really, what we took advantage of. Um, we wanted to cook the food, firstly, that we grew up eating, food that we eat at home, and cook the food that people are maybe a bit nostalgic about when they travel to Thailand and don't always make sense to have on large format Thai restaurant menus. Um, because, well, the, the idea of street food plays perfectly into these dishes and Thai food because that's how these dishes are prepared. It doesn't make sense to have them alongside 40 other dishes. It's mm. literally impossible to do all that prep mm. and all that, uh, keep all the stock for it. Um, so, yeah, actually, us being a small operation and just having two or three items on a dish really lended itself to being able to keep really exciting menus, always change them, mm -hmm. make these dishes that people were familiar with, mm -hmm. but can't easily get. Mm -hmm. And maybe is there something of regionalism in there? You know, yeah. do people think of Thai food as one cuisine, whereas actually there's very many different cuisines under that? There is, and that's something we're still very much exploring and learning about because we didn't grow up in Thailand, we grew up mm -hmm. in Nottingham, and we're all very aware of that. So actually, 
the whole research and development side to our food. Like this is why Pred Thai is so good because we can pick one or two dishes and really work on them and improve. And actually that's what happened. One of our first dishes was chicken satay and I sort of just cooked it on a whim. Like we've got a family recipe sauce, so I was always confident in that. But actually over the last two years, that dish has evolved so much. Wow. And sometimes it strays a little bit further away from what you can get in Thailand then we bring it back in and mm. then we experiment with it some more and there's this really nice organic development of our dishes mm. and within that we learn about all the new processes in Thai mm. cooking that we you know we, we we definitely helped in our family restaurant but we're not professional mm. experienced chefs mm. so yes it's regional and we're working on it <laughs> I have to say that's like you've hit on the head like, exactly what I'm fascinated by. It's the the kind of these dishes that we cook, they've come from a very specific place, probably quite a traditional place, um, like a recipe from our grandma who's then had maybe had it from her aunt or etc. Mm. It's come to us and with our own like different cultural background, we add another layer to it um, and it might not necessarily be very authentic, but we don't mind that at all. Mm. We actually, we, we I, I think part of our, I don't want to say motto, but... Yeah, we encourage it. Yeah, it, it, we just want to cook something that tastes really good. And it wouldn't be Pad Thai if you were just doing your grandma's recipes. It's Pad Thai because you add yourselves to it. That's the, I was going to say special sauce, but you, you know what I mean. That adds a special element to it. There is a little bit of tension that comes in with that because of, like, it's my grandma's face. And <laughs> my dad has it. He wants it to be authentic. My dad has a food business as well. So you can see when we post a picture of a food and, you know, the feedback's great and customers love it. I'm super happy. I show it to my dad. That's not how it should be. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that, those are the, the that's the, uh, there's tension that we're always trying to balance, you know, what, what food would our grandma enjoy as cooking versus what food do people want to eat here? That's yeah. the, the, uh, the reality of it. Absolutely. I think it's like attacking this term of like authenticity as well. It's like we approach it with a very like dynamic mindset and mm -hmm. I think it, should be seen it's like oftentimes like the other day for example we were we were doing a pop-up and a, a guy came up to us and asked us if like toast on satay was like traditional and it is but like the way we do it we do it with a different type of bread and uh it was an example of the way that we like we challenge this like authenticity of yeah. food and also add to it and change it adapt it to what we we like and what people like and like also relating it back to where it came from as a dish yeah. as well. Just a little shout out to Tough Mary's. Yeah. We use their sourdough, it's the best, <laughs> the best in the business, so yeah. <laughs> also great that that customer wanted to talk to you about it yeah. and wanted to ask the questions about your culture and, and kind of explore that with you in that yeah. respect. That's really great. Are you going to name check your dad's business? The Thai Kitchen. <laughs> ah, where is that? It's had a few locations. It oh. started off... Um, if people know this, they must be quite old, but it started off at the steamboat in Sawley, and then it was at the Lady in Grey in Shardlow, and now it's a little takeaway in Long Eaton, still called the Thai Kitchen. And, like, quite, um, it's it's quite important to, or significant to say that, actually, my dad's um, business, the Thai Kitchen, began in 1995, the year Jay was born. Oh, wow. Wow, yeah, so it is in your blood. On top of our first restaurant, yeah. Wow. Which is quite cool. That is very cool. And so apart from that kind of family side, have any of you got any professional 
cooking chef qualifications catering qualifications or is this all properly like from the blood yeah not formal qualifications um i've worked in a couple of other kitchens yeah. but um, i didn't go to kitchen school or anything like that um as part of like the rite of passage of like living in a family food business mm. we all had to work in the restaurant yeah. slash takeaway um growing up yeah um <laughs> Working is very loose. You say had as well. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Peeling vegetables, all the rubbish jobs, right? Uh, yeah. Hot wash. Remember, like finishing prime, like literally primary school, and like my dad would take me to the to the like the restaurant and the takeaway, depending on like which age it was, and I'd just be like there, just like hanging around in the kitchen. We've always been around. It, always been around. It. We used I... to mess with the chefs as well. <laughs> used to pinch his eggs and like throw them at his uh, Japanese garden school. <laughs> Brilliant. And I, I didn't mean that in a slight. I think, you know, some of Britain's best loves TV chefs are not chefs at all. They're yeah. home cooks. Yeah. They, they've learnt it from their grandmas. You know, you think about like the Mary Berries of this world and that's where they yeah. got their knowledge from. Yeah, definitely. And to be honest, when it comes to cooking Thai food, um, it, what you can learn, you know, in a formal education mm. in food, um, would it would be limited in how helpful it is. Yeah. That's not to say those wouldn't tools benefit. wouldn't yeah. be yeah. useful, which is like, again, one of our priorities. It's just expanding this knowledge of cooking, not just yeah. Thai food, everything else we're doing. So we, so we have the best tools and mm. you know, we can approach our food in the best, most serious way. Yeah. You mentioned Tough Mary's sourdough, which again is a really great Nottingham business down on Derby Road. And I was also thinking about how you've kind of transposed your grandma's recipes. You've also got a wealth of gadgets available to you, mm. completely different produce here, maybe some produce yeah. you can't get hold of. Is there anything else that sticks in your mind as something that maybe local or something convenient that's really changed the way you do those recipes? It's, um, yes, definitely. We, we, the, the toast is the best example of that, actually serving a type of bread that you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to find sourdough like that in yeah. Thailand. Um, but because we have the luxury of having some of the best bakeries in the world in the UK and Tough Mary's being up there, um, you know, why why not use something tastier that we have on our doorstep that I'm sure if they had that bakery in Bangkok, they would use. Mm. Um, I'd, I'd say like some, some of the changes that we've made, they haven't necessarily been like conscious, like deliberate changes. Mm. Sometimes it's been out of necessity. Yeah. Uh, for example, um, dad always used to say that, yeah, our grandma would use um, cafe lime peel in her curry paste. That just, she just can't get that here. Mm. Um, so we have to use um, cafe lime leaves mm -hmm. um, instead. And it's just like these changes, they change the taste, it still tastes good, um, but it's not necessarily exactly how mm. it was intended um, mm. in the original recipe. Yeah, and pro produce is very difficult. Um, luckily in Nottingham, there's a few very good Asian supermarkets and suppliers. Um, so we're not working with nothing, it's amazing, but if you've ever seen a Thai recipe book, you know how many ingredients go into each dish and how expensive things can get. So yeah, there's definitely an element of necessity in changing recipes to, you know, to, to make seasonal. them. And actually we have, you know, we, we, we're um, looking for new ways to find this produce all the time. So we have a really good friend of ours that just recently took over an allotment. Yeah. Wow. And, um, this summer, he tried very hard to get some <laughs> Thai basil to propagate to yeah. 
uh, actually using Yaz's um, seeds. Yeah, yeah, yeah seeds for the grandma. Yeah, yeah. Centers. My dad. And wow. unfortunately, they all failed. He did about six, six, <laughs> just tried it six times, and we couldn't get it to work. But uh, yeah, we will keep trying. <laughs> I'll have to introduce to my friend Kirstine, who literally lives like there because she has a local allotment and so she knows all the lotties yeah. and all their gluts and stuff and that would be amazing little piece of community story wouldn't it if you they had like a massive glut or something that you guys can utilize generally when you do your pop-ups you've got one or two options i was lucky enough to go to your latest one at the Bellina, and so i think there was basically meat or veggie yeah. And the menu totally surprised and delighted me. I got covered in mess. It was the <laughs> stickiest I've been in a long time. Um, does one of you want to talk about that menu a little bit? Jim, that's your menu creation, wasn't it? <laughs> we had the like noodles with sauce, which is how I ended up. They were like fried. Oh, Maybe they yeah, weren't even. Yeah. 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 That's how I ended up really sticky because they gave us nothing apart from. Yeah. yeah. It's like they, what is it? It's is it a deep dish. fried? Yeah. It's it's deep fried vermicelli yeah. noodles. Um, that dish we're really nostalgic about because it's the dish that my dad always used to serve at his Sunday lunch buffet at the Thai kitchen, yeah, and... I loved it. When, when you're a kid and, like, your palate's not very mm. balanced, um, it's just, like, sweet, sticky goodness. It's, yeah, it's super fun as well, like, trying to... Especially as a share... <laughs> especially as a sharing dish, though, like, you can't... Yeah. It's like pick-up sticks, the game. You can't quite work out which bit you're going to pull out is going <laughs> to do what. And, yeah, I just ended up in a complete mess, but it was we delicious. run down on the Sunday buffet and you'd grab the meat grab and I'd grab the prawn crackers and we'd just run upstairs with happy <laughs> 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 Yeah, food we grew up eating, definitely. So we had the... And when we say deep-fried vermicelli, just for people who maybe trying to imagine this, it's not battered or anything. They're literally just chucked in the oil until they sort of puff up yeah, um, and get really crispy and... Yeah. yeah, I can't... Like a really thin chipstick is my best way to describe that to somebody who's never had it. And then, did we have the buns next? Yeah, so... So I think you probably would have had, depending... So that the first course was the sweet corn fritters. Oh, I had the sweet corn fritters. Pork, red curry. <laughs> but I just pulled a very enthusiastic face. I realise <laughs> yeah. this is radio and you can't see. The fritters are popular and uh, they're one of the dishes that we would love to do all the time but don't because they're a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> You've got about 20 seconds on the batter once it's mixed. Mm. Um, uh, because the, the, uh, the batter's very well seasoned, very salty. Um, the water from the sweet corn just leaks out mm. and just deteriorates straight away. So every time I put it on a menu, everyone hates me, but the customers <laughs> love me. It was yeah, incredible <laughs> flavours. So it was the bamacelli, the fritters. What was the meat option when I had uh, the sweet so that corn? Was, um, that was red curry pork cakes. So that's mm. our play on well, my, my dad's recipe, but his play on the Thai fish cakes, which is a very popular Thai starter. Um, so we do that with mint pork instead, and it's mixed with kaffir lime and red curry paste. Mm. And, uh, yeah. Then it was the buns, right? Mm. Yeah. Which surprised me. The buns is interesting. <laughs> it is. And yeah. I'd say that's going back to the, the question you asked before about how, how we adapt the original recipes that we have for... The format that we're going for um it's kind of we love penang curry mm -hmm. um, it's not always the best way to serve street food um mm. as a rice dish mm. so we love we also love bao buns yeah <laughs> it's a way of combining those and it's a it's a very good example of 
how our dishes will evolve because actually looking back on that specific event and if we should have put bao buns on the menu probably the answer was no because it was an, they were a nightmare to prep and actually the finished product wasn't what we envisioned you know we we didn't have that long to develop that menu um but at least we've done it once and now we know how and to it's all a learning process yeah. right and actually from our side every course was incredible and we were a bit mind blown so i had they were i had the veggie ones they were jackfruit jackfruit so you could same. not tell that it was not me <laughs> it was in fact i was a little bit like kind of had to have a look and at least you can kind of tell jackfruit they've always got their little round bits on yeah. you know what i mean and i was like okay it's... <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then um then you would have had... Then I was full and thought it was the end. Because <laughs> the bowels were really big. Yeah, because the are really big. And then more food came. <laughs> and then it would have been... Uh, the salmon. Uh, yeah, the salmon or the tofu lap pick, which is just a very simple Thai dressing made with um, fish sauce, sugar, Thai basil, chilli. Um, yeah, and uh, that was that menu. We, we, we would like to do something like that again. Yeah. Where you've got a fixed kitchen rather yeah, than popping yeah, up with your camping yeah. gas. It worked for it. it worked well for that night, but uh, yeah, no, lots of learning. Um, would we try and do a three course menu with staggered times in a tent again? Absolutely not. <laughs> but do we want to cook some more exciting, not just yeah. a couple of dishes on the menu? Definitely, yeah. Do a cold course next time, yeah. and you can just chuck that out. <laughs> yeah, well, the meat grout is like that. That's all prepped and ready to go. But definitely, definitely need to uh, to reevaluate. <laughs> so, out of all the pop-ups you've done, yeah, and the, you can have you can all have a different answer for this. Um, where's your favourite? That's a good question. Oh, wow. I don't want to upset anyone. <laughs> we all stay somewhere yeah, different. That's all tactical. Um, <laughs> because it was... All of our puppets are... You know, all of our locations I really enjoy. Um, we get on well with every organiser. But specifically for us, um, our first ever public pop-up that wasn't at our house was the Berliner. Um, so it wasn't one of it wasn't a, it wasn't a sit down sit down but. meal, but that was the first place that actually let us pop up our little yellow tent mm. in their bar, beer garden, and sell food to the public. And um, we we have now um, developed a really close friendship with the owner James, and uh, we go to his pub quizzes every Wednesday. They're the best, um, and that's actually like quite a normal meeting point for all of our friends so to serve somewhere so close to home and um, to the beeston community as well that was lovely so that was our first pop-up and i'm going to say my favorite pop-up great tom i would say um and it's like a memory from hell to be honest but like there was this 14 day stint that we did <laughs> <laughs> there was this 14 day stint that we did at the bodega in town okay and uh it was it was just like, it was, to be honest, doing it was a nightmare. We were like finishing at 4 a.m. and waking up at 6 a.m. for 14 days in a row, selling out every night, basically, and opening up. And it was just like, honestly, hated it when I was there. It's I was like just like, fun. get me home, I'm dying. But then uh, looking back at it, it was just hilarious. It was yeah. just a good time, the whole, the whole 40 that days. That was real cowboy operation <laughs> time, wasn't it? Yeah. So they, had, they built a little food kiosk. They took advantage of uh, the 
COVID outdoor eating and stuff like that. So they built this beer garden very fast and they stuck a little food kiosk at the end. And we were one of the traders lucky enough yeah. to, to be in Crazy. over that summer. And we, we took a two week residency. But at the time we didn't have a van to move <laughs> our food. We lived in Snenton, which is a good 15 minute, 20 minute walk. So every day we were, you know, we had, there's no parking in town as well. So we'd have to drop the food off, do the whole day, you know, drop the car back at Snenton and then walk all of our uh, washing dirty washers back home to clean. <laughs> Avoiding all the drunken, like... <laughs> yeah. So that... This completely predated me. I still hear the horror stories. <laughs> yeah. We use it as a reference. I use it first. I use it as a reference point to say, like, oh, Jen, well, still I'm haven't done a bodega. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, not, it's not that bad, Jen. It's not as bad as a bodega. <laughs> if but anybody we, wants we to give us people. another 14 days stint, we'd love to show Jen the... Gemma, what's yours? I'd say, for me, um, not Street Food Club at the Victoria Centre. I don't know if it classes as a pop-up anymore, but no. I'd say yeah. for us, the first time, I remember Jamie's excitement like popping up there for the first time because it was where um, he'd, he'd been going anyway for um, going to eat yeah. with um, Homeboys, mm -hmm. um, which is like Jamie. Yeah. Your favourite. Homeboys is, uh, yeah, they know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I'd, I'd say that that was really special, like a big, like, moment and mm. um, step up for for us. And it really um, feels like home now as well. Yeah, well, the, the guys at Not Street and Club, like Nate, Aaron, um, and the rest of their team, they, they re really feel like Nottingham. They feel like, yeah. um, like a real glue in the community. Yeah, a very community-driven business um their work crosses over into art and music and fast off the clothing line and um they're very good organizers they they get all of these industries to overlap somehow and they've been doing it you know they've been pioneering the street food scene in nottingham for probably about five years now yeah. and i feel like the um variety and the options we have now is all partly to do with them um, okay. this whole street food industry and people like homeboys and secret burger club um we're sort of riding in the wake of all these people that pioneered this in nottingham yeah isn't it great to live somewhere where that's happening yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and um obviously bustler have just opened and yeah. we work very closely with them i feel like nottingham is honestly we we notoriously don't travel to events outside of nottingham and derby because we, we have a full calendar just with things going on here. You've got the garage, you've got Bustler, you've got street food, yeah. on top of all these other little yeah. events going on all the time. Um, it's perfect for our business. Um, yeah, why would you bother? Yeah. yeah. And these, these, two, two, these two things, the one that Jay mentioned, the Berliners, and Jen mentioned um, street food, they were the two businesses that like took a risk on the cowboys from Wollerton. The club. <laughs> so like, thank you, both of you, legends. Yeah. Great. Uh, yeah. So this is one of our really tough questions. We always get looks when we <laughs> ask, ask this one. And it's, if you could only keep one item on the menu, mm. what would it be? And they don't have to be the same answer. Easy. Okay. Oh, we'll easy. Go we'll for start it. Over there. I, at the moment, we're doing a dish. This is a bit of promo promotion, but we might not be doing it when this is released. But um, 
It's my favorite dish, and I didn't actually have it actually in Thailand until the last time I went, which was 2019. It's called khao soy. It's a curried noodle dish from like the very north of Thailand. Uh, it's so fun to do. It's so fun, mostly because I eat it a lot during the during the service. But it's just it's put is my favorite dish like in the world. I think so. It's just great to have it on the menu. Great to share it with other people. And so many people that we share it with have like fun travel memories eating it when they're backpacking mm -hmm. in Thailand or whatever. So I just it's, for me, it's really wicked to see my favorite dish be enjoyed by so many people. Yeah. So it brings people alive, like their eyes come alive because yeah. all of a sudden the smell and the taste is just so evocative for them. Yeah. Take them back to that holiday they had. They gap yeah. <laughs> they always shout out. They're eating it and they're like, oh, elephants in Chiang Mai. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's the one, that's the one. <laughs> for me, I say not because it's my favourite dish to eat, but one that really encapsulates what we're doing right now, I'd say is dom yum squid, which is basically... I don't know if you can call it tempura. You can't. You probably can't. But the it's batter. it's it's yeah. It's very 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 light batter um, on like kind of strips of sh like shredded squid, um, and we we cover it in um, uh, domyam mayo um, and like garnish it with herbs. Um, and first off, it's like really nostalgic for us because we got the idea from one of our favourite restaurants when we were growing up um, in Nottingham. Um, Manho, which I don't know if you remember Manho, it's a, like a Chinese dim sum restaurant um, and they used to serve this, uh, it was just, it was called uh, Crispy Battered Squid <laughs> and it was just served with sweet and sour sauce but uh, it has since closed but we were always like trying to hop back like how do yeah. they make it um, and when we were, tr we were thinking about ways to introduce the flavours of Dom Yam Gung, uh, which is everyone knows it's the hot sour uh, spicy soup uh, from Thailand onto our menus. You can't serve like soup. Street food. Street food. <laughs> it's impossible. But we wanted to get the flavours in. Um, so it's that combination of nostalgia and like bit of invention. Yeah. How to how to combine those things and yeah. Uh, I'd nice. say that. I can't wait to try that. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, mine, mine always changes. I think about this a lot. And I've listened to other podcasts, and uh, I knew this question was coming. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with um, our roast pork noodle soup because, again, similar to Dom, this is one of the dishes that I could, you know, if someone asked me what my desert island dish is, mm. this would probably be it because I could eat it for every meal of the day, any time of day. Um, and it's so simple and just, I think, really captures what we try to do with our food, um, just honest food. Um, and it's uh, fresh egg noodles with a chicken broth, some roast char siu pork, and some blanched vegetables, and that's it. Um, but at the moment, ramen and pho and all of these things are really, like, popular and shining yeah. through, but for some reason, Thai noodle soup just hasn't really got the same level of attention. And what we're trying to do now with our face at street food is push that dish. And, mm -hmm. you know, noodles always look the same, but they taste so different. Yeah. And that, that's one of the, the way, like, that's what we try and do is just when people come and eat with us, we want them to be trying something new. And, uh, yeah, that would be mine.
Where can people find you in the next few weeks? So for the rest of this year, we have residency at Nottingham Street Food Club. So that's Victoria Centre on the second floor. Um, Clock Tower Dining, I think is the official name. Um, so we'll be trading alongside three of the food traders and we're there Friday, Saturday, 12 till nine and Sunday, 12 till four. But then on top of that, we have events all around Nottingham pretty much every week. So you could catch us at the garage. Um, we're there at least every month for the rest of the year. Bustler, we're there a couple more times this year. Um, is this the benefit of there kind of being Gemma on board now? Can you sort of divide and conquer and yeah, get more spots? Yeah, yeah. I think we did our first triple gig. Wow, well done. Weekend of Bustler. That was, yeah. that was one of those hard weekends. Weekend yeah. as well. So you're all somewhere different? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, Are there ever panicked WhatsApps between you? 100%. It's <laughs> actually a running joke. It's like Jay will call and like often during the busiest times <laughs> really don't want to call and it'll just go how's the pork how's the rice <laughs> because it's hard for me it's your to baby. give these yeah these responsibilities away like you know i do trust them obviously we wouldn't be running a business together if we didn't but um yeah gotta check in <laughs> <laughs>so the other question you probably knew was coming is What's your favourite local spot mm. Yeah, when you're not eating your own food? And first, we've got to say Dom's got a vested interest here. Because... <laughs> oh, coffee or food? I've seen you somewhere before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a barista at Greenhead. I, 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 I love Greenhead. Um, I do love Greenhead. I, I won't say it because I work there, though. I mean, and also because the guys from Essen also said Greenhood, so we can't. Uh, it's like all of our <laughs> interviewees are now being paid to say Greenhood. They're not being yeah. paid. <laughs> it's just that good. I would say. Do you want to go first? Gems. Gems ready. I, I'm going to say uh, Nosh oh. uh, in Beeston, 100%. My favourite lunch spot in in Knotts. Um, there's a spicy, a cold noodle dish there with, um, with chilli on. <laughs> Um, Making notes. <laughs> um, so yeah, they're 100%. If you just want a casual, yeah, no frills, all the flavour. Mm. Yeah, go there. My other half just went there with our friend who is a professional caver. What a job. Caver? Yeah, and he normally works out in Switzerland and he was coming back and he has a friend who lives in Beeston who's Chinese and said, this is where we have to go. And they all went down there and Liam came back and was like, you're going to be so jealous. You won't believe where I've been. I've never even noticed it. Of course you would. Because it's like I, down an alley. Yeah. You, you've kind of got to be, you've got to be in the know or like be told by someone. Yeah. Um, next week. Yeah. It's, it's literally one of those hole in the wall restaurants. I can't describe to you the excitement my dad like, came home with when he discovered it. Mm. Like, Found the best Chinese restaurant ever. <laughs> and they shut at like eight or nine. It shuts early, doesn't it? But it's bring your own bottle, which also my other half was like, this is the best thing ever. Because they went to Essen and bought beers and then went back in. And then I think they probably went back to Essen and had more beers after. But anyway, okay, so Nosh, definitely on the list. Yeah. About a week ago, I probably would have said Kushia, but I feel like they're getting so much attention right now. I know, I feel like it spoiled it. We're not going to get reservations there now for at least a year. Thanks, Jay Rayner. I'm going to go with Kushia. They are I don't really need to say anything. The food speaks for itself. If you haven't been, try and get a table, try and go. People like that, as you know, Pete from everyday people. Mm. This is where we want to take our food. These are very much like 
people we aspire to be like and I feel like guys like that are really setting the standard so yeah mine's cushy yeah I'll tell you what I love about both those places as well thinking about the real people behind a restaurant they don't open all week and they don't open late no. so everyday people I think shuts at 10 yeah, yeah and they're open what when even maybe Wednesday to Saturday, then they, so as people that want to have lives yeah. and want to employ staff that want a life as yeah. well, I mean, yeah. probably the rest of the time they're actually prepping and doing admin, <laughs> but at least they're not trying to open on those days as well. And I love that, that they want that work-life balance with their people. You know, they don't want to be open till midnight and as you say, going to bed at two and getting up at <laughs> But it six. shows, like when you yeah. go and eat at those places, the staff they love it. are happy. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And like it goes down to your front of house definitely customer experience yeah. is better but the chefs are cooking better food because they're rested and yeah. because they're healthy and you can see in the kitchen in both those places so yeah. you can see the chefs yeah they it's would... not to say that they don't they, they are probably working like outstandingly hard yeah absolutely well. the way that they can do it and pull off this sort of like mm. casual sort of atmosphere is amazing yeah. it doesn't really go with the stereotype when you think about like kitchen where you think like all hours of the day yeah, yeah it's stress yeah. But I think this is something, a culture that is shifting from yeah. the top down. I yeah, see yeah, restaurants so. like Sat Babes, like opening yeah. four days a week. Yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah. And giving staff like, like yeah. proper holidays. Like, looking after them properly. And I think that's really, really like encouraging. Have you heard of the Epicurean down in the West Country? Five, six, seven, eight years ago, he was like, we have three days closure because I want my people. One of those days we're prepping and the two days I want them to have a proper day off. Yeah. And I think it's... Four day working week. Yeah. Especially in hospitality, where like a working day is like a whole day. Yeah, yep. doing like twelve to eighteen hours on a day when you're open, and, and the public don't see that. I was quite surprised the first time I went. Everyday people, I think they must shut. It might even be earlier. Basically, we'd finished. We had a seven o'clock reservation, and by the time we finished eating, we were the only people in there. And I was like, "What is going on?" And then I saw their opening hours, and I was like, "Great, that is why everybody's so happy here." Yeah. And I guess from our own experience as well, our mum and dad they run their takeaway together. Mm. Um, and our dad, like, he's at a point where he will only open... How many three hours, three hours a day, <laughs> four, days a, yeah. four days a week, and... Uh, he's probably done it long enough that he knows that that's where he makes the most money, and so what's the point of the yeah, rest of it? he takes yeah. 20 orders a night, and any more than that, he, he you know, he apologises and said, try again next week. And people pre-order a week in advance now. Wow. And they don't he, he knows yeah, what he's doing. that's why he can do it. He can run it with him and my yeah. Um, yeah, and they don't need anyone else. Yeah. So, we're, yeah, we're definitely trying to... We're working very hard at the moment because we're a new business and yeah. we're trying to get ourselves out there in as many different places. But that's... And you're young. This you time next year, that's where we aspire to be. With and we maybe do some capitalise and... on our days off as well, to be fair. Yeah. yeah we went to Alton Towers on them, but <laughs> it's good for us. <laughs> good for you. But bricks right. and mortar with a four-day working week, I would say... That's our dream. Dream. <laughs> just got to find you a great location in Beeston, hopefully. Beeston. Wait, more answer. Yeah, not no, getting away with it. Hey, I am a sucker for bubble tea, and um, <laughs> my favourite bubble tea shop in Nottingham has to be my favourite spot. It's called Hi Guys. It's on uh, King Street. I don't know the people or anything. They're super friendly every time I order, and that is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's honestly just the best. They do this matcha bubble tea called Green Fairy Trail, and it's got some sort of addictive substance in it. It's so good. I got three in a day. It's called Green Fairy, is it not got absinthe in it? <laughs> <laughs> three in a day. I've never had bubble to tea. To, oh, you need to try You need to try the one in Beeston too. There's one called uh, Hinkies. Okay. It's great.
I'll try that one first because it's around the corner, and then yeah. if I like it, I'll have to make the pilgrimage to town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can tea then, Nosh. Yeah, oh, tea then. That's a combo. Then you'll be very full. Very full. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, we talked at the start of this that we're in Oakshed. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about why we're here? Um, why we're here? So, this is. <laughs> We've not just like... broken in to record the podcast <laughs> on an evening. <laughs> a little. Uh, a little. Folly? Yeah, deviation in our business, a, a side hustle. Um, with being a pop-up, we usually work Friday, Saturday, Sunday, evenings mostly, um, which obviously leaves us with a huge amount of time during the week. And uh, not a lot of events happen during the week, and we don't travel very far. So wanting to start you know, in terms of business, to, to get a second stream of income, um, something during the daytime and during the week. We have been lucky enough to post the Oakshed's brunch menu as our business is called the Lilac Eatery. Um, and it has no connection to Pred Thai. It's in no way Thai-inspired food. We just, but we sort of approach it with the same mentality we want to serve nice tasty brunch um, and we've really enjoyed it we've started this was our first service here today um, but we've been working at in this um, this this business was formerly called Farm Fresh Market if you, it's in Kimberley um, and we've been doing pop-ups here over the last couple of years so actually we're, we're very um, fond of this place and to be able to host their brunch is an honor yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm just looking at the menu and it's completely different and actually very sort of pan-European. You've got some Turkish yeah. eggs, some shakshuka. That's one of my favourites. Went to Boston and the shakshuka there. Uh, you've got, I'm trying to see, classic bacon and egg cob, but I'm guessing again, if it's you guys, there's a twist on there. So you've got some... Some chai? <laughs> no, no, yeah, the twist, chai. twist is that the bacon is from the best butcher maybe in the land. Yeah. Ah. Johnny puts that. Ah. Butcher. So, yeah, we, yeah we, we use a tough Mary sourdough for our bread again. Um, Johnny for the for the bacon. I think the headline for us, like running a brunch menu, is, is just to highlight the, the kind of best producers and suppliers there are in Nottingham. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's bread, bacon. Uh, we were very sceptical to start here um, because uh, everything with Pred Thai is, is, is quite tiring, very busy. But when the new owners showed us pictures of their vision, it's honestly something we couldn't turn down. The restaurant was stunning. Um, the kitchen, how they've completely refurbished it. And yeah, it was one of those offers that you, you, you can't say no to. So if people you haven't should, seen it... People should be able to experience you here for the significant future. Yes, uh, great. Yeah, definitely for the uh, foreseeable future. Um, we have no plans of ending the partnership anytime soon. Um, but it will depend on how things with Fred Tiger. As I mentioned before, we're trying to get yeah. a site of our own, and if that if that takes off, then uh, we'll see. We'll see how busy we we get. But for for now. Now you've got Gemma on board, it's fine. Let's see you. She can build a pop-up. Yeah. <laughs> in that's basically our, that's what we're doing now for the next two months. But yeah. um, we're yeah. just super excited to kind of like have this opportunity here. These guys, um, Beth and Mum Keely, they're just like bringing a slice of like London cafe culture to, mm. to Kimberley, which is mad and amazing. 
And we're sitting in the middle of this, like, it's actually a, such a beautiful space. Yeah, yeah. so sweet. Yeah, very, uh, a little haven on the top. Yeah. Um, I'm a little bit obsessed with these Danish design chairs. So, I might want to take one home, but um, I won't. It's just nice to it's be special. around different ingredients because what we do is very high volume and very yeah. samey and actually to come in and not smell like green curry paste <laughs> when you go home. Yeah, smell like bacon. You know, smell like bacon instead. <laughs> we still bit, smell like nice. garlic there. But they say, you know, a change is as good as a rest and maybe that's actually exactly what you needed right now because you'll bring things that you've learned from Pad Thai into here and Definitely. things you'll learn here, you'll bring into your future of Pad Thai. Yeah. And, you know, being in a, a proper kitchen, as you say, if that's your goal is to get yeah, you know, your own space, then, yeah, in a professional kitchen. A, a kitchen in a, in a proper space. It's very different to what we do with Pad Thai. Um, yeah. Having strings to your bow. <laughs> Amazing. What's it like working together? Oh, <laughs> volatile, but fun. No, 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 it's so good, so good. There's rarely a day where we, where, well, we sometimes go to bed very annoyed at each other, but there's rarely a day where that will carry on the next. You know, we never fall out for more than a night. Also mention, we, we live together as well. Yeah. So we're, <laughs> we're saving, well, as you know, we're saving it for our own like restaurant. Um, and to do that, we've all kind of like sacrificed um, paying rent mm -hmm. elsewhere and like trying to like gather all your resources. All the resources. Um, sometimes it can get a bit much. Mm. <laughs> yeah, at the same time, I don't think there's three other siblings that could do it better. No. Oh, is that really stopping? No, it's good. I think we have like quite an amazing reset button. Like we can actually like it can get pretty nasty sometimes. But then <laughs> we we do have this amazing reset button and it's like even on the same night we just get the job done and then like deal with it after or just like forget about it, go to bed, wake up and uh, Start again. Is there a moment which helps with that? Is it like the as you open the can of beer at the end? <laughs> there, like something or the coffee in the morning? When we argue, it's usually because we're tired. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I find that a lot and just managing. Or hungry. Your emotions. I didn't yeah. wake up earlier, to be honest. That's usually. Yeah, I mean, we argued as siblings a little bit before we ran a business together, yeah. so that's obviously going to add some tension. Um, but on the whole, I think. You know, we're still here now. Yeah. A year after Jem joined. I was gonna say that I don't think you're gonna you're gonna give in, quit. <laughs> Absolutely not. <yeah. laughs> Although there was a few moments when you didn't like reaching over a few chopping boards. <laughs> yeah, we definitely have like um... <laughs> I don't know if you want to explain like <laughs> No, we, we we have different <clears throat> styles. Different ways of working. Standard, and we're we're learning how to work together professionally yeah. a little bit more. Yeah. Exactly. Really good. And obviously, as a trio, you're going from strength to strength. New locations, new pop-ups, busier than ever. I can't wait to see where you go from here. Oh, thank you. Thank you. We can't wait. It's <laughs> your time today. It's been so nice to meet you as well. Thank you. Thank you all. It's been brilliant. It's been brilliant hearing your passion. <laughs> and that's a common thread we get all the time with people we're talking to these days. Thanks for listening to Food Glue. Please subscribe to us and share us with all of your friends, family, your nan, your dog, whoever. We would love to hear from you via our Instagram at foodgluepod or you can email us at foodgluepod at gmail.com. And if you've got some spare time, please do rate and review us on your favourite podcast player because it helps other people to find us.